Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. I'm really excited about today's episode of LinkedIn Smart Podcast because we are going to interview number one global LinkedIn marketing and personal branding expert with 1,600 LinkedIn recommendations, four best-selling books on LinkedIn and personal branding, and Forbes contributor on LinkedIn and personal branding. He's the only CEO with a mohawk. His name is Chris Reed. Chris, thank you very much for being on the show. It's absolutely fantastic to have you to have you here. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk to you about LinkedIn today. Likewise, great to be here. Thanks for asking. Before we start talking about all this nitty gritty of stuff of uh, LinkedIn, I would like to ask you first and foremost, when has your journey with LinkedIn begun? Tell us your story. So it basically began when I came to Singapore. So I was an entrepreneur in the UK, exited my third business, and then I decided to come to Singapore to become an entrepreneur over in Asia. I didn't know anybody in Asia, so I basically used my LinkedIn connection in London to get people in Singapore. That's when I had like 200 connections and people didn't really use LinkedIn for social selling. And then people over here said, yeah, let's meet for a coffee, let's have a tea, let's have a drink. And then I met these fantastic people. I got my first, my second, my third job over here uh, whilst I found out what I wanted to be as an entrepreneur. And I got them all through networking on LinkedIn. And then those jobs were actually doing marketing uh, where I had to find clients all over Asia Pacific. And I didn't know anybody in China and Indonesia and Australia and Philippines and Thailand. And LinkedIn did. So I started using LinkedIn to do that. And I realized that basically nobody was actually doing this. When I read uh, people would basically respond because nobody was actually using it as a sales tool. So basically, that's when I saw there was an opportunity here to help other entrepreneurs use LinkedIn to get personal branding, sorted out content marketing, uh, and social selling, ultimately to win leads, but also for a networking event. I mean, literally, it's the only social media platform in the world available in China, available in every single country in the world, and has no politics. So people liked it because it's business, and people like to talk people without the, the whole religion and politics thing going on. And it's all about business. How can you help each other? How can you do things like this? And, you know, I meet you because of LinkedIn. That's the power of LinkedIn. Hmm. Was there any specific moment when you realized that, okay, wow, uh, the LinkedIn has a, um, amazing powers. Let me become a LinkedIn coach or LinkedIn trainer, or let me uh, use it as a, as a business, you know, like let's, let's just build a business around this. Yeah, it was literally when I was networking in Singapore and I kept asking people on LinkedIn, they said, oh yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, but I have no time to do it. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn, but it doesn't really work. I'm going, but you're not doing this. Are you doing this? What about content? Oh no, I don't have time to do content. Or what about using Sales Navigator? Oh, I don't have time to do that. I said, okay, there's a business opportunity here. You don't have the time. I can do it for you. Just let you outsource your IT or your accounting or something else, your web service, your SEO. You can outsource your LinkedIn. And that's where people like our oh, entrepreneurs in the world have got this gap of helping other entrepreneurs actually use LinkedIn so they can go and do their own business. Fantastic. You've been on LinkedIn for a long time, obviously. Can you tell us, in your view, how LinkedIn has changed from, from those early times till now? I mean, can you see some, some shifts? Oh, totally. I mean, when I first started using it, it was a recruitment tool. Everyone used it for recruitment because that's how LinkedIn originally set it up. But I started using it and other people started using it for sales. Because if you can find somebody for recruitment, you can sign somebody to basically network or to basically win a deal or to do some business together. So then they started introducing things like Sales Navigator. Then it became a social selling tool. And now it's become a content marketing tool. It's become a networking tool, especially now everyone's in pandemic and no one can travel. 
people, it's very much a networking tool because it's business. And again, you can find anybody, talk to anybody about anything in any country by using LinkedIn, by using the data. So it's definitely changed over the years. I think it's become less and less about recruitment and more and more about social selling, content marketing and networking. You keep talking about, about social selling, about lead generation from LinkedIn. Are there any specific strategies which you use to drive business and drive sales? Indeed, there is. I've written uh, my third book was called Social Selling for Entrepreneurs. And it's about this big because there's so much to learn about it. So, I mean, basically, content's number one. Uh, personal branding's up there in terms of you need a personal brand, you need content marketing. And then you've got to use the sales navigator platforms to really socially sell, to find out who's active, uh, you know, engage with them, follow them, trade with them, um, engage with their content, and vice versa, share your content, share your expertise and then find people who might want your business. And you can use that by using the data of Sales Navigator, but content's absolutely key. Mm -hmm. And content only works if you have a good personal brand. So it's all about developing your personal branding first, and then having a content marketing strategy where you're sharing more about your business, your personality, your personal branding, and who you are, your passions. And then it's about using that for social selling. You're talking about personal branding. I think it's very, very important to, to make sure that you know our listeners understand what do you do normally with your clients when you look at their profile from the personal branding perspective? It's a great question. So basically, we take apart their LinkedIn because normally their LinkedIn their LinkedIn's terrible because most people's LinkedIn's are terrible. I can spot 10 things wrong with every single person's LinkedIn. I love, that's why I love this job. I can spot it. You think you're a LinkedIn expert? You think you're a LinkedIn? Your, your team's doing LinkedIn? What about this, 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 and this? So we do an audit of the whole thing, background picture, headline, photograph, about section, featured section, uh, content marketing strategy, experience, media and experience, company page, recommendations, skills, awards, and uh, awards and, and endorsements. And then basically completely revamp that because uh, that is your first impression. That's when I Google you. That's the first thing that comes up. It's your LinkedIn. It's not your Facebook. It's not Twitter. It's not Instagram because basically Google does not trust those platforms because they can be fake. They're bots. You can't fake or basically you know, create lots of fake profiles on LinkedIn that last very long because you have to connect with people. People have to know who you are. It takes a lot more effort to create a profile on LinkedIn than it does everything else. So basically, LinkedIn is trusted by Google and it's trusted by other people because it has no fake news on, has no politics, has no religion on. So it's all about creating that profile on LinkedIn, which gets banned by Google, and then people search for it, and then you get a positive or negative impression of your personal brand straight away. And that just like any brand that you come across, you get an instantaneous, I like this brand or I don't like this brand or what does this brand actually do or why I'm confused about this brand. And that's the same thing. People have to realize they are a brand just like a FMCG brand like Coca-Cola is or a tech brand like, um, you know, like Apple is or like Nike is. They're all brands, but so are you and so am I. So it's all about how that first impression comes across on LinkedIn because that's linked to Google, which is where most people find out about you. Absolutely awesome. Uh, I, I really love what you, what you say that the first impression is so, so, so important. And especially when people are putting their names out there, usually when yeah. you search for them, first what comes out in a Google is it's your, your LinkedIn profile. So you need to really take care of this very carefully. What are the main mistakes people are making? I mean, you've seen, you've seen thousands of profiles, I'm sure, in your career. What are the main mistakes people are making in this uh, in the sort of first impression? The main mistakes are the background picture. So you'll see a blue, and that's the LinkedIn blue, where someone hasn't even bothered to put their own branding up there. Or they put like their tourist destination. So I live in Singapore, has beautiful location, but about a million people here have Marina Bay Sands, which is an iconic casino here, and it's beautiful. It's the most Instagram hotel in the world. But it doesn't say anything about you and your personal branding unless you happen to work there. 
And most people here do not work there. They like it. It's wonderful and everything, but it doesn't say about your personal branding. It's supposed to be about your personal brand. And then having a photograph. Your photograph should be professional. It should be professionally shot. It shouldn't be your Facebook photograph, your holiday snaps, your you with a, your dog or you with basically your arm around your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your, your kids or whatever. Your wedding snack. I've seen wedding snaps as their LinkedIn profile. And you go, why? Why would you do that? Baby pictures. You know, don't do that. It's not Facebook. It's LinkedIn. And, that, and that's the most common thing to actually do. And then it's down to things like the about section. People don't fill in the about section. People don't fill in the experience section. I mean, little things. LinkedIn have almost a draw by numbers thing. They say, fill this in, do this, fill this in and they have little pencils which said he's supposed to do these things so they're either teaching you how to do it so like a draw by numbers kind of thing when you have with your kids and that lets so a linkedin there's no excuse you got to spend half an hour just doing it and create a positive impression of your personal brand there's really no excuse it's all about first impression but obviously we are on the linkedin uh, or majority of us are on the linkedin because we would like to drive business out of linkedin so obviously the first impression matters a lot but then what are the strategies, other strategies out there which will help us to actually create the results, um, you know, from, from the LinkedIn? So, I mean, content's key. I mean, we spend a lot of time creating content, uh, getting to know the clients so we can write for the content. We do videos like you do. We do photographs and then link that to a story. We do customer services, customer experience, because uh, that obviously resonates with people. Uh, we do stories about link to their business. We do case studies. We do recommendations. So, coming out with a content marketing strategy that follows 411, which is basically one hard sell post about your business, one soft sell post about your industry, and Four, unrelated posts about things that you're passionate about. It could be leadership, it could be business, it could be something that happened at lunchtime, it could be a customer experience, it could be a brand you're passionate about, it could just be something happening that matters to you that you want to share with people in a business context on LinkedIn that has nothing to do with your business. And coming up with this strategy will mean that you'll have more views, more engagement as a result of it, and then more people will find out what you do. And that's absolutely key to social selling. You want people to come to you, just like you Google your SEO, your Google, your website, well, you do the same thing with LinkedIn through content and through keywords. But the content's absolutely key. If you don't share content, you get less views. It's as simple as that. So you've got to create content, share content, engage with content, engage with your community. Chris, you're talking about content. Uh, I would like to know what is your opinion about what is the most engaging content? Or did you hit any uh, sweet spot? Personal. It's personal. Yeah, we've analyzed our content over the years, over the eight years black marketing's been going, and it's personal stuff. I do that. I see this on myself. I share probably six posts a day, about three of them are personal, and they're always the one that get basically thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of views, and most amount of engagement. You know, that's the thing that works. You know, unique personal content that you said, this has happened to me, I want to share it with you. And you know, it's not generic, it's not, you know, this is LinkedIn algorithm or this is what you should do on LinkedIn. That's great and everything, but the personal content works because basically people are following you, people are following me, people are following other people, and they want to hear about you. It's as simple as that. People want to hear personal stuff about you in a business context. I also meant uh, if you if you figured out certain certain format? I mean, uh, is it, for example, a short text or uh, is it a video or is it a poll? What works best? So posts, so original posts, so personal posts that are original up to 1,300 characters, 250 words on LinkedIn because you can't do longer than that in the short form post and that's what works on LinkedIn. But you got to make it personal. Normally a photograph of you or a video of you, for example, and you're talking about something personal to you within that particular context and that's what works the best. Not generic pictures, not shutterstock images, you know, something that's actually personal to you has you in the picture with somebody else or with just yourself talking about something that's actually personal and passionate about you in a business context that's what works the best hmm. 
Any thoughts about articles, uh, LinkedIn articles? No, LinkedIn killed them several years ago. They used to be very good about seven or eight years ago, and they used to promote them. So they used to say, oh, this, your, your followers have got this, but now they killed it. And now they've removed the section on the front page and replaced it with featured. So it used to be on the front page, but now it basically removed it with featured. And now featured, basically, you get to choose whether you have posts or website or what you want to have in that, which is highlighted that big. So articles are completely dead now. No one's doing any articles now because basically LinkedIn doesn't care about them. So a bit like groups and company pages, don't waste your time on articles, groups, or company pages. They're a complete waste of time. LinkedIn hates them, so don't bother with them. Yeah, actually, that, that, that was definitely my next question. What I wanted to ask you, you know, you're talking about some, something dead on LinkedIn. I really feel that groups and, and company pages. Groups. groups are dead. Company pages are dead and articles are dead. They're the three things that are dead on LinkedIn. Chris, we're talking about LinkedIn. We are talking about how wonderful the platform is. Is there anything you don't really like about LinkedIn? <laughs> yes, lots, lots of things. I'll tell you a good, a good example. The fact that they have inboxes for each of their sections. So I give an example. They have Recruiter, which has an inbox. They have the premium, the normal business premium has an inbox. And I also have Sales Navigator. And I have two Sales Navigators. So I have two Recruiters, two Sales Navigators, and a premium. I have five inboxes. Now you would think because Microsoft owned this, they'd integrate them all. No, you've got to opt in, out. You've got to go in, log in, log out, log in, log out, log in, log out, log in, log out. And you can actually send five different messages to the same person and they get five different messages and i've even had people saying to me oh chris someone's taken over your account because i got a message from you up here and there's a message tonight it's because i connected with them up here on premium but i sent the message on sales navigator which is a different inbox and they see it as a different message so there's not even any continuity there so it's like three engineering teams came up with this thing and said no we're not going to talk to those people over there that'd be silly as if like the same part of the same company or something it's just like why don't you have one inbox with all the premiums go into it. I don't know. It's very, very interesting, yeah, because um, that's really very confusing, and especially for people like like us, probably, who are using Sales Navigator and using um, yeah. a lot of DM messaging as well. You know, it's kind of like you know, you you you're in five different places, and you don't know um, where you know where to start from and where to finish. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Is there anything anything else? Like, a, I know that this is a big pain point. I can I can feel that. Oh, I mean, I mean, obviously, the, the most people's pain point is obviously the, the limited connections. I mean, I had was it seventy five thousand connections about you know four years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, and then LinkedIn decided in their wisdom they're basically going to raise everybody from whatever they had. I know people with a couple of hundred thousand connections. Everyone's connections went down to thirty thousand without exception. And they didn't even let you ask you which 30,000 you wanted to keep. They basically just went, this is the cutoff point, this is what's going to happen. And they converted whatever you had over 30,000 to become followers. But of course, followers are not the same as connections. You don't get mm. access to them. Um, you don't see their content. You have to follow them. They have to follow you. And it's basically not the same. So now it does make you very, very focused what those 30,000 is. But for someone like me or someone like you, I'm a global entrepreneur. I'm a global you know, influencer. I sell books all over the world. I actually have lots of connections in every single city in the world. San Francisco, Francisco, Zurich, London, Helsinki, you know, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Dubai, Sydney, and like 30,000 isn't actually very many. Especially when I do a talk, I might have a thousand people in that talk. It's like that's not very many if you've got 30,000. So you have to really, 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 really focus now on which of the 30,000 you actually want. So I'm, I curate my content connections all the time to make sure I'm getting 30,000 founders or entrepreneurs or people who are active. And I love people who are active, but they also have to be obviously useful to me and I have to be useful to them. Otherwise, there's no point in having that relationship. So that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's a big bear for many, many people on LinkedIn because they'd like to have more than 30,000 connections.
You're talking about connections and that brings me to another question which is obviously how do you connect on LinkedIn and what's the what's the correct and right way to connect on LinkedIn? Great question because it is a bugbear of mine as well when people just basically send me a message and I'll give you a great example. So I'm a Forbes contributor and basically people write to me and say, hey, as you're the um, the, for, the Forbes contributor at Forbes, I uh, thought you might be interested in our direct marketing for Forbes. And it's like, I'm clearly not in charge of Forbes's direct marketing. I'm a contributor. I write a little column about LinkedIn. Like, go and talk to the CMO. You haven't done any research whatsoever. You just know an automated platform. You're spamming me. I hate that. And I report that to LinkedIn because uh, automation is, you know, is basically not the right thing to do on LinkedIn. It's also against the terms and conditions. We don't believe in automation. You should personalize it. The key to connections is personalization. So I'll give you an example. If someone looks at my profile, I will then see if we're connected, if we're not, and if they're the right kind of target audience, like found CEO, entrepreneur, I'll write to them and say, thanks very much for viewing my profile. Here's our service. I won't connect with them. I'll see if they actually click on my smart link, which is part of Sales Navigator, about our services. If they do, I'll follow up. And if then they come back and say, I'm not interested, or I am, then I'll connect with them. If they've actually said on their message, I'm not interested, but I'd like to keep in touch. If they've said, I'm not interested, I don't contact them. Because basically, they're just going to reject you because they haven't even bothered to say on LinkedIn's automated replies, keep in touch. If they reply positively, obviously, I will. I say, oh, thanks very much. Let's have a meeting and let's connect. So it's basically about engagement. If somebody uh, comments on my post, I'll also send out a message saying, hey, great. Thanks very much for commenting. It'd be really good to actually, uh, connect so I can see your post. You can see my post. There's a common reason there to actually do so. If I'm going to meet someone at an event, I'll often say that. I'll say, hey, I'm going to meet you at this event. It'd be great to connect. So basically, you know, we have them in the same area. Because you've got to personalize it, personalize it, personalize it. Don't just send you know, generic connect, connect, connect or invite, invite, invite and don't use an automated platform. Uh, yeah, the automation, um, it's, it's, uh, it's something which, which um, obviously it's not seen very nicely from the LinkedIn perspective. They, they, LinkedIn yeah. doesn't like it at all. And you run into, you might even get into LinkedIn jail. I call it, we call, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of LinkedIn jail where basically yeah. you spam too many, too many times. Plenty of people go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then LinkedIn go, Pew! you now have to put an email address into your connection. So basically it makes, it makes sure that uh, you may not get uh, to invite anybody ever again because of it. And we've got many people out of LinkedIn in jail by being very nice to LinkedIn, but don't basically automate it. And they've all got one thing in common. They've all used an automated platform like mm. DuckSoup or LinkedIn Helper or Leonard or one of these other kind of Mickey Mouse ones where basically you're just spamming people and you're putting no reason in there, no personalization in there. And it says things like, oh, we're both got, you know, we're both interested in marketing or we're both on LinkedIn or we're both alive or something. I mean, it's literally, it's not personal at all. Um, so basically personalize it. Okay, let's put the automation aside, but what about these, yeah. uh, the posting like a buffer or, you know, some other tools which actually... I use I use buffer all the time because basically, but it's original content and I basically make sure that I write it at the side at the right time. I segment it so I'm hitting different target audiences. So it might be hitting, say, you know, Sydney and Auckland uh, in the morning, might hit then Singapore, Hong Kong. It might then hit places like Zurich or Munich or Scandinavia, the UK, and then into North America and New York, right through to Chicago and San Francisco. So by using buffer you can actually use different timing posts to hit different markets but also it enables you basically to have interviews like this and still be posting at the same time but it still means you have to curate your content find your content use hashtags in your content write your content write an introduction to your content and make sure you're giving value to your audience which is key but it enables you to basically get on with your day job whilst it's posting at the same time so we're big believers in hootsuite and buffer i use buffer myself 
Okay. Uh, Chris, you mentioned several times that you post quite a lot uh, in a day. What is, yeah. what is for you the sweet spot? Like when, you, when you're teaching to your clients, you know, what, what would you tell them about how often should they post? That's a very, very good question. I mean, because every, that's very personal. And some people, you know, particularly in Asia, for example, they go, oh, I might post once a week. And they're going, okay, fine, post once a week. Won't be very good. And it basically, you won't get seen by many people because, you know, people don't use LinkedIn like they use Facebook or YouTube. They're not on it for 20 hours a day. They're going in and out, maybe once or twice a week. They're not using it like you and I are. So basically, but people get, you know, they don't know what they don't know. They think, oh, I'll post it once and all my followers will see it. That's not going to work. Not quite the way it works. Your followers will only see it if they happen to be on LinkedIn at a particular moment in time when you're posting and maybe for a couple of hours afterwards and if you manage to get other people liking and commenting it and make it go viral. But even then, most of your followers will not see your content. So if you only post once or twice, you won't be seen. So if you post several times a day, a day, at least your followers will see some of your content and then may then use the feed or use your profile to see other parts of your content. So really, you have to share more because people do not use LinkedIn as much as I would like them to or you would like them to, unfortunately. So basically, you have to capture them, capture the imagination, get something to go viral, and basically post several times a day because it's crapshoot. Some of my best posts got hardly any views. Some of my worst posts got great thousands of views. So, you know, it's an algorithm. It's basically what takes on, you know, what do people care about? What do they see at that particular moment in time? And, that, you know, you can't totally predict it. And that's part of the fun of kind of working out what to do and how to do it and come up with some cool content that might go viral and then trying to get influencers, mm. uh, you know, micro-influencers to actually help you share it as well. I think also um, the more you post, or at least at least in certain um, certain boundaries, the more data you have and more analyze analyze yes. you can you can do the content, right? So you know what works, what doesn't work with your your particular audience. Totally agree. That's very yeah. important to find out because, like I say, if I do anything about politics, I, I instantly know no one cares. It'll be it'll drop like a stone because no one cares. LinkedIn, oh, don't talk about politics on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, my boss might see, my peers might see, my my investors might see, my clients might see, my employees might see. People do not want to do politics on LinkedIn, which I love. And, you know, so you just stay away from politics, stay away from religion, stay away from death, stay away from babies, unless of course you're in the business of babies, death, <laughs> religion, or uh, <laughs> or anything else, politics. <laughs> If you like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn Business Audit Session. This 45-minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step -step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. Chris, uh, that, that brings me to another question, you know, how to make an attractive and engaging content? Because uh, that's usually people asking, you know, yeah, I'm posting, I'm posting, I'm posting three, five times a week, you know, but nobody's engaging with my post. Why? Because it's not interesting. So I think it has to be polarizing. I've just written a column I'm in, uh, in Forbes today about how you have to use controversy in your posts and your personal branding and your content to get some kind of out. So basically, you have to be prepared. Not everyone who sees your post is going to like it. So if you're prepared for that, you get over that psychological hurdle of, do I want to be loved by everybody? If you want to be loved by everybody, don't use any social media platform in the world because there will always be somebody going along who disagrees with you, believe me. It doesn't matter how good a news you have, there will always be someone going, what about, what about this? So you have to polarize because by polarizing, you get lots of advocates on this side going, yes, I agree with you, and they'll share it. And then you've got lots of detractors on this side going, no, that's rubbish, and they'll share it as well. But the great thing is they'll all create a debate on their followers, and other people will then chime in as well. So getting it polarized is 
is, is perfect. If you do something that's too safe and too generic, then people will basically, they might view it, they might go, oh yeah, and then flick onto something else. And that's the trouble with the LinkedIn feed. Obviously, you've got thousands of connections, people are flicking through the feed, they're finding something which might be interesting, they're stopping for a few seconds to read it, or to engage, or watch a video, or look at the picture, and then they're moving on to something else. It's not it's not Shakespeare. You know, basically people aren't going, oh wow, remember that post that Chris did three years ago, and I was like Shakespeare, like Romeo and Juliet. It's not like that at all. They're literally just going through it. So you have to capture their attention for a few seconds and then they're moving on. So that's uh, that's very interesting. You know, where's the where are the borders, you know, between being polarizing and being sort of over the edge, if you know what I mean? I mean, I'd say that um, LinkedIn is very good for that because it's business. So basically, you can be polarizing within a business context. So you'd be sensible, rational, you kind of write uh, why you believe this, um, and, uh, you know, you back up what it is, you have the evidence, you have the proof, you basically say this happened and this happened and this happened. You don't just go on a rant for the sake of having a rant, which you might do on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere else, for example. So you have to be more considered because you have to filter it by saying, do I want my followers to see this, my potential clients, my clients to see this. And actually polarizing works because I deliberately polarize against, say, multinationals. So I polarize against, you know, big corporates or, you know, marketing people who can't make a decision that, you know, they need a basically a, you know, a committee to make a decision. They're worried about their CEO. They have to get something signed off. Whereas us entrepreneurs can go, yes, let's just go ahead. So I deliberately basically make sure I'm empathizing with my, you know, my entrepreneurs, for example. And but even then, you still want to create some kind of friction so you create a debate. So people's thinking about you because it's better to be thought about and people go, oh, I read that thing by Chris Reed. I totally disagree with him. And then they're having a conversation with somebody else about how much they disagree with me. But they're talking about me. And they're talking about my brand and my business. And that, that bloke with the mohawk, he does this. And, you know, I get a lot of feedback by saying people, you know, why do you have a mohawk on LinkedIn? It's like, ah. But you're talking about it, aren't you? If you say it to your friends, I have this. I hate that bloke on, the, the, on LinkedIn. He's got this mohawk and he thinks it's funny. And it's about polarization. It's about some people get it. It's about personal branding. It's about your USB. And other people get well, it's nothing to do with business. Same with tattoos. I wear my tattoos because I'm quite proud to be tattoos. But I know it polarizes. I know I basically get people going. You know, I hate your tattoos and you can't wear tattoos at my work and all the rest of it. But I'll win clients because they also have tattoos. And they'll have the entrepreneurs, they'll be independently minded, they'll be going, well, I'm going to wear what I want, I'm an entrepreneur. And that's the philosophy I, I want to get across, because that's who I'm appealing to. That's what we're doing in personal branding. We're actually getting people to realize they are themselves, to be themselves on LinkedIn, and to basically have a fulfilling life from a business perspective on LinkedIn, not be worried about what your boss says, what you can wear, what you can't wear, how your hair is, how your tattoos are, what you can do with your facial hair, whatever, which you know happens a lot in places like Dubai and Singapore. You know, They tell you down to the d degree how much you actually can do your hair or your facial, even the, even this, even the beers, you can't have a beard or you can't color your hair if you're a man, for example. It's all ridiculous. So basically, you have to, yeah, again, polarization is key to that because by polarizing, you get advocates agreeing with you and you get other people going, I'm not allowed to do that, but I wish I could. But don't you think that this is uh, this is more for business owners rather than CEOs? Because if you and a C-level manager, um, you need to really be very, very careful what you're putting out there, um, even on the LinkedIn, right? Totally agree. But I think it depends on, I mean, look at Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk is the extreme example. He's a CEO, founded lots of shareholders, lots of investors, and he's way out there. I mean, he polarizes every single time. And he's a deliberate, I believe it's a deliberate strategy to get engagement because you would never heard about Tesla or SpaceX if it wasn't for Elon Musk. If you and I were running that, no one would care. But Elon Musk is like transformed it up there by basically, yeah, having the boring company and having flamethrowers and having rockets and, you know, having a, you know, arguing about Tesla left, right, and center and having an opinion on things to polarize. So he's an extreme example. 
most people do not do that because they don't have that kind of authority within their company. So you're right. They're much more conservative. They're much more worried about, you know, I'm allowed to post this. Oh, I wait till I go to my communications department and they'll tell me if I can post this in about four months time, if ever. And that's basically, that's where it normally dies. That's why you get a lot of CEOs, especially in Singapore, a lot of CEOs, big multinationals here on the SGX are not on LinkedIn. Because they do not want to be the face of the company. They do not want to basically say something which might offend somebody. They want to be, okay, it's part of the team. We're basically here to be part of the team and, and so forth. So basically entrepreneurs are much freer to say what they want within the context of business. And they're basically, they don't care if they polarize people. If they've got clients coming in here. They can polarize people over there. But there are exceptions to the rule. And basically people like Elon Musk are like that. Uh, and there are other examples of people basically putting out you know, uh, issues about energy, putting issues about employee engagement and so forth. Uh, I like particularly like a guy called Arnie Sorison, for example, um, who's the CEO of Marriott Starwood, who's always putting out you know, a fantastic post up there, and he's personalizing it, getting lots of engagement because he's Arnie Sorison. He's basically, you know, Marriott's very nice and everything, but it's a hotel chain. Who cares? Whereas Arnie's basically personalizing the hotel chain. And I think, mm -hmm. but he posts a wonderful positive post. He wouldn't be doing negative ones like, or polarizing ones like Elon Musk. It's not part of his personal brand. And again, that's why you go back to someone's personal brand uh, as well as their company brand because these are two different things hmm. I, I would like to come back now to to the um, conversions from the LinkedIn and business uh, driving from from LinkedIn and I would like to ask you a bit of a I, I don't I don't mean a tricky question but kind of like a, in a um, question which which bothers me you know what do you think it's a um, so, so like an ideal threshold where people can drive business from LinkedIn so what what is the percentage of my of my business leads which may come from LinkedIn uh, so, I mean, basically, it depends on your business. But I mean, I get all my business from LinkedIn because I'm actually using it all the time. I'm doing a LinkedIn business to such an extent where people will actually pitch me Google and they'll go, oh, well, I can bring business from you from Google. And I said, how do you guarantee the business you're going to bring are actually on LinkedIn? And they say, oh, we can't. But they're basically fulfill your criteria. They're a CEO of a company. But yeah, but if they're not even on LinkedIn, they're not going to go from zero to LinkedIn to paying for the premium sales navigator team to then paying me thousands of dollars. It's just not going to happen. And that's the same reason why I go after people who are already paying for the platform, but they're not using it properly because I know they're already investing in the platform mm -hmm. and therefore to pay our fees isn't a great leap. Whereas somebody going from zero to that uh, is basically very different. So it depends on your business. Most people's businesses, um, you can find clients on LinkedIn, You know, whether it's accountancy or you know, cyber, whether it's medical, whether it's you know content marketing, whatever, you, know, you can normally find I can normally justify why every single person's clients or peers or investors um, are on LinkedIn from both a B2B perspective and a B2C perspective if you're targeting high net worth individuals. So you can basically use the data of Sales Navigator and show people how you can find people in China or India or Indonesia or Dubai you know, by using the data of LinkedIn and basically, well, what's your criteria? Who do you want to find? And people are amazed. Oh, wow, you found all these people over here. He might buy my service. That's incredible. And you're using the data. And that's what Facebook doesn't have because although Facebook, it, you think that that person is the right person, it's not giving you their actual job, their actual company, their headcount, you know, what their industry is, what they do, how many times they posted, how long they've been on LinkedIn for, whether into education, you know, all these kind of things, how many connections you had in common and so forth. Whereas on LinkedIn, you can, and some nice little messages saying, this is what we do. I think it can benefit you. This is what we do together. And that's really, really where you can use LinkedIn to find exactly who you want to. I mean, you need about a thousand connections, I believe, mm -hmm. to really kind of make it work. 
the more the better because they but they have to be the right kind of connections that's what i said before about not accepting all uh, connections not just going after anybody to connect with they have to be the right kind of connections so i connect with founders entrepreneurs who know other founders and entrepreneurs but i also do it in certain cities around the world i reject a lot of people because they're not going to help me because those countries i'm not targeting for example because they couldn't afford our services and the same with our clients the clients might say we're targeting north america or we're targeting the middle east or we're targeting you know china and we'll basically adapt our linkedin strategy therefore with sales navigator and connections to only be targeting those specific people but that's the wonderful thing about linkedin you can basically just basically curate it as much as you want you can teach the linkedin algorithm who to connect with who to get suggested to and who they then might want to suggest to you and so it's all about kind of looking Looking at the data and look at the nitty gritty on LinkedIn. A lot of the mm. detail on LinkedIn is the key to your success on LinkedIn. Do you think you need for all this paid a LinkedIn, or uh, can you do some magic? With the free account no. as well? No, no, it doesn't work. Basically, you need sales navigator team, and I make the I make the emphasis has to be team, not pro, uh, because team gives you smart links, and smart links is the key to social selling on LinkedIn. It's how you share content, it's how you basically track the content, how much time people have looked at the content. So you need sales navigator team, and people say, oh, it costs a lot of money. It's like, well, it's a hundred bucks. You know, it's, it's literally if how much do you charge your clients? If you charge your clients five thousand dollars a month or ten thousand dollars for a project fee or whatever it is, then a hundred bucks per month is not very much mm. so basically if you want to, if you're really serious about investing in business and your personal branding you'll invest 100 bucks a month to actually find out you know how well it works for you so the free one doesn't really work unless you literally are just going on to connect with a couple of people because you can't see their connections you can't see past the third tab uh, you basically you're restricted in terms of what you can do from the content point of view you can't send out emails uh, so there's lots of things you just can't do uh, without and, and even the filters on the main uh, the business premium is useless they have no filter for example on headcount ceo you know and things like that whereas on sales navigator it has multiple um uh, kind of you know uh, criteria for safe searches it has basic criteria for who's actually active on linkedin it tells you who's premium it tells you who's open profile who wants you to message them none of that is available on the on the main premium the business premium or even on recruiter so that's why we have all our clients and myself on sales navigator team uh, because that is really the key to actually finding people who are actually active on linkedin that's key active people on linkedin mm -hmm. because not everybody on linkedin is active they're registered Registered, but they're not active. Yeah. So basically, if you're serious about social selling from LinkedIn, your your recommendation definitely would be go to Sales Navigator, Sales Navigator team, right? Then that's get a team, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Out of all these experiences you had on uh, over the years on LinkedIn, um, is there something which what what stands out? Uh, some you know something you're proud of, something you you really accomplished. I know that you're an extremely accomplished person, so it will be difficult to pinpoint maybe just one thing. But can you tell us you know what is uh, something you, you, which you're really proud of? I mean, uh, I mean, obviously building a business from nothing and uh, then building it up to becoming the world's number one, getting more than a thousand recommendations, which is absolutely key. No one's matching my thousand recommendations. In fact, no one's got near that um, and they won't do for many, many years. It's actually quite hard to get people to recommend you. You know, you have to work quite hard at this. So I think getting past a thousand gives basically shows social proof because it basically says to people, well, it's not just Chris, you know, banging on about how he well it is, not just him with his books, banging on about it, or his Forbes stuff. It's actually a thousand other people who've said he actually knows his stuff as well. It's like, okay. And I, more to the point, I can go and talk to them. So it's not like a, you know, anonymous on a website where it just says Bob says or anonymous says where you think, well, you just made that up, didn't you? That person doesn't even exist. It actually, you can go and talk to these people on my LinkedIn profile and say, hey, what do you think about Chris's service? Do you work with Chris or you saw Chris's talk or you read Chris's book? What do you think? And they will say, well, this is that and the other. But the point is that people can check me out. 
And that's the key to LinkedIn is basically it's a networking effect. So getting past a thousand recommendations is certainly uh, a big milestone, but I'm, I work very hard to basically, you know, retain those recommendations and keep them. One of the things that happened when I, my, my, my connections went down 75,000 to 30,000 is I lost 45,000 potential people who could recommend me because you can only recommend people if you're connected. So basically I lost a lot of recommendations when that was the case, just like you lost endorsements and things like that. And that's one of the things that kind of, you know, slightly annoyed me. Uh, but I did take screen grabs of them all. So at least I have them in a kind of slide share that basically on a, my smart links, basically people can actually check them out themselves. Uh, so it's a good indication. So, but that's, that's a key point uh, because basically that's, you want people to recommend you, you want people to engage with you because, you know, it's my business just like it's your business. In terms of your clients on, on the LinkedIn and in terms of, of a success of your clients, is there anything what, um, what you, would, you would like to, to highlight in your career? Yeah, no, it's very important to know that on LinkedIn, you can measure every single bit of activity. So we measure about 15 different aspects of LinkedIn, and we measure it weekly, and we produce a monthly report for our clients. That's things like, you know, 30-day views, 90-day views, seven-day views, search appearances, you know, connections that are accepted, not just connections sent out, but accepted. How many views your posts got, your blogs got, your videos got, your photographs got. How many leads did you get as a result of sending out messages, for example, using Sales Navigator Team? How many smart link views did you get? What's your social selling index, which measures personal branding and reputation? and you know networking and contribution and engagement so all these factors can be measured and we like to see them all going up like that and when I talk to my team about my clients we go okay this is going well they're all going up oh what happened to this one here why is that gone down like that and you can measure it and the great thing is you can say okay let's analyze this why did that go down oh the client didn't sign it off or basically nobody connected that week or it was Christmas or you know something happened that particular week and nobody was at work and um, so it's all about basically analyzing the data every single week to make sure you're servicing your clients in the right kind of way. That's one of the things I love about LinkedIn. It's very transparent. The client can see it. I can see it. My team can see it. So there's really no excuse. You can't, none of my clients can get, none of my team can go, ah, oh, well, I didn't know Chris. I go, well, it, it says it there. You look, look at the views. It's gone like that. It's like, do something about it. You know, do this, that, that, that. Let's have a discussion about that. So basically, it's very measurable. And that's what I love about it because you can basically show people success. And they say to you, oh, this LinkedIn thing isn't happening. And go, well, your views have gone from that to that. Pretty amazing stuff. Look, your search appearance has gone from that to that. Look how many leads you're getting as well. Look at the engagement. Oh, my God, I didn't realize that. And it's like it's great to show clients that because then they can actually see what they're getting for their money. And unlike advertising, it always remains theirs. And that's the key to LinkedIn. It's not just spending advertising. We don't believe in advertising on LinkedIn at all. Do not advertise on LinkedIn. It's a waste of money, will not work, cost a fortune. Whereas actually putting content on there allows your reputation to go up, your views go up, your connections go up, and it's yours. So when we finish the job for you, basically after six months or a year or three months or however long we work for you, you take it away and you've got something which is pretty amazing, which you can then take on to another level by yourself. Or you can basically, you know, really engage and really focus on it. But the point is it's yours and it's grown because of the work we've done. And that's the great thing about LinkedIn is basically we're passing on, it's, it almost feels like a tree. It's like we've taken it from an acorn when you had 100 connections and now you're 10,000 connections and a thought leader. And you get to take that tree on to another journey and the apples are coming off or coconuts are coming off you're in Singapore. You know, so it's, you know, it's, it's doing that. It's fantastic. Hmm. Chris, do you use any any uh, analytics, analytic tools? On LinkedIn, you can't. Uh, we've had a lot. We've talked to lots of people like Meltwater and people like that, and you can't because the LinkedIn basically stop anybody's APIs getting in. So basically, that's why lots of these automated platforms don't work as well because they're basically LinkedIn doesn't actually allow them in. So you're basically having to hijack or pirate things to actually get into it. That's why you shouldn't use it. But that's why we have to use the LinkedIn um, APIs. Um, sorry, the LinkedIn. 
uh, stats themselves, the measurements themselves to actually go forwards. But I'm waiting for somebody to basically create a tool where it does actually measure things. But until it measures things like views and posts and engagement levels, it's going to be useless. Chris, is there anyone anyone out there on the, on the LinkedIn? Obviously, we all like to receive more information and then checks. Uh, you know um, what what he, what the other people what they do. Is there anyone out there for you who you could call like your? I, I don't want to say personal guru, not not only that way, but somebody <laughs> who you kind of admire and you follow and then you see what what they do. Are there are there any people out there? Not on LinkedIn. No, not for LinkedIn, because I know more about LinkedIn than anybody else does. And that's just not me saying it. It's actually because I've tried to find other people who know more than I do, um, basically, and find out little tips and that kind of thing. And I can't find anyone about it. But that's because I'm kind of I'm slightly obsessed by LinkedIn. I don't use Facebook. I don't use Twitter. I don't use Instagram. I don't use YouTube. You know, literally, I'm only doing LinkedIn like from five o'clock in the morning till, till midnight every single day. That's why I've written, you know, four books, of which this is the fourth, because basically all I want to think about is basically how you use LinkedIn. So I'll take inspiration from how people use it like, and I'll say, well, how did he use that? Oh, that's interesting. And I'll see how other people have used it. But no, there's no one person out there. There's no LinkedIn trainer out there, for example, or LinkedIn person who knows more about it than I do. In fact, most of them don't have many as many recommendations as me. Their content isn't as good. Their engagement isn't as good. They don't have a, haven't built a business like I have. They tend to be one-man bands or one-woman bands, which is absolutely fine. Lifestyle business is absolutely fantastic. They serve a little niche. But I'm looking kind of like, how do I do this globally? How do I help entrepreneurs in San Francisco and London and Dubai and Zurich and Hong Kong and Shanghai and Sydney. And that's my kind of like my spectrum there is all, how do I grow all this? And I'm always looking to learn. Like I'm always scouring for things I'm not, I'm not aware of, I'm not doing. And you can pick up little tips, for example. But a lot of the time, they're basically, they're not using it themselves. It's like their background picture maybe can't be read on the mobile. And little things like that. You think, well, you're a LinkedIn guru and you basically can't read your background picture because basically the, the, the picture's bigger on the mobile and you can't read it because the, the writing's too small. And it's like, well, that's a simple mistake. You know, so you lose a lot of respect for people doing that. So I don't pretend to be good at any other kind of social media on Facebook and all that. I just know about LinkedIn. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. And um, we were talking a lot about about today about social selling. Um, for people out there, can you just explain a little bit what's the concept? Because maybe some some people, it's it's a, it's kind of like a fancy word or um, you know fancy expression. <laughs> social selling is literally, yeah. I mean, the, the sheer definition is using social media to engage, to enhance your personal brand, um, to basically share content, to to get some social proof in order to build a relationship with somebody that might result in a sale of your service or your product to that particular person. So it's much more about it's not picking up the phone and say, hey, I'm damn young Bob, I'm going to sell you this. It's basically curating, it's nurturing uh, relationships through things like content, uh, through engagement, through notifications, through liking people, through commenting on people. That's why you should engage with content. Um, and that's why on Sales Navigator, you can save leads and you can basically engage with those leads and then that you nurture them and they don't know you save them. Um, so basically, it's all about using social media in a kind of in a more sophisticated way, uh, there's not a hard sell. So it's it's very easy just to go on LinkedIn and go, hey, buy my product. But you actually want to go, well, buy my product because look at my content and look at my social proof and look at what I've done before and you know look at that we have shared connections and look how I can help you. And I'm going to give this away for free. And that's what this is. This is social selling. You can basically pick up this book and become a LinkedIn guru yourself because all my tips are in here. Literally, I've given away every single thing in my four books. We can listen on Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon. You can go to YouTube and see my talks. And that's part of social selling. This podcast is part of social selling. 
selling. We're giving tips away to your followers and they can go and do this themselves. Or they can basically say, God, this is too much time and effort. I'm going to go to these guys because they know what they're talking about. I'm going to employ them to do video marketing or LinkedIn marketing. Or they might say, well, I put the tips that Chris talked about into operation. I would recommend him because I want a client as a result of it. And that, again, is social proof. It's reputation. It's people saying, oh, you were recommended to me by X because he said this about you during a podcast. So that's part of social proof and social selling too. That's why I do, I'm happy to do these talks. Whenever somebody asks me, do I do a podcast? I do this. I do many, at the moment, I'm doing loads of these. It's great fun because I can talk to people in different countries all over the world. America, Dubai, UK, um, Australia. I've done four, four continents this week alone. Um, and it's only Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever it is, Tuesday. Um, and it's brilliant because basically it's about getting information out there. Because the more people use LinkedIn, the more the better it is for you, the better it is for me. Because more people know about it, more people realize the potential of it, and then more people realize how difficult it is to on a daily basis and how they need help. <laughs> Chris, um, I know that you wrote um, four books. Can you, can you just, uh, just take us through those four books? What are they and, uh, and how people can use those books in, in a different, different niches? So the first one I wrote about six years ago now, LinkedIn Marketing for, sorry, LinkedIn Mastery for Entrepreneurs, is the basics of how to use LinkedIn. But then I wrote Personal Branding for Entrepreneurs, all about how to use your personal brands, particularly if you're an entrepreneur, people are buying you. Yeah, I mean, Elon Musk is an extreme example of that. People are buying into Elon Musk. Uh, you know, he's marketing Tesla through Elon Musk, his personal brand. And then I did a bond about social selling, which is much more the nitty-gritty of how you use Sales Navigator and how you use things like SlideShare, uh, what used to be SlideShare, sorry, yeah, Point Drive, and it's now Smart Links, um, basically, and how you basically do that. And then the fourth book is basically, uh, basically uh, the, the mixture of the four together with some updates some new chapters, some new angles in terms of how to use things like smart links, for example, how to do more social selling, how to do more content marketing. Um, so this is basically the best book yet because it's the latest one and the most up-to-date. So this is the one where you can listen to um, things like Spotify and Apple Music, and Amazon and Hardback, Softback, whatever you want to do, uh, available all around the world. Um, and, but it's all about, again, it's social selling. Basically, I'm giving away this content so you can be a rock star yourself. Chris, I think we could we could carry on for hours and hours, but uh, we need to we're <laughs> um, uh, cautious about the time as well. So uh, before before we wrap up, uh, I would like to ask you what is what is um, what is in, in LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn uh, for you in in like in near future? Because you have you've achieved a lot, you know, you've you've done a lot in your in your LinkedIn career. Is there anything else you want to want to accomplish? Of course, I'm just I'm just scraping the surface. I'm really just scraping the surface of potential people who could use LinkedIn because LinkedIn's adding people all the time, and the danger is they add it, people use it, and they go, well, I don't really know how to use this because LinkedIn make it quite difficult. I'm not getting any results because LinkedIn make it quite difficult. Then they go away. My job basically. I see my, my, my empowerment, my evangelism in basically saying, well, look, this is how you use LinkedIn. This is how you can become a LinkedIn rock star. This is how you can win clients. This is how you can influence people. This is how a network. This is how you influence people internally and externally in your company. And that's inspiring to me, to that challenge of trying to get 700 million people to actually use LinkedIn better. Because obviously, I will benefit because I'll get a small proportion of those people becoming clients. But everyone will benefit as a result of it. So you know, everyone will do better business. And everyone will network better as a result of it. And that's what um, I see my goal will be as a continuing kind of like vision is to get more people to use LinkedIn better. Fantastic. Thank you very much for, for your time. It was absolutely awesome talking to you. But before we go, please, can you just uh, tell us where can we find you? Of course, on the LinkedIn, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> where else, right? 
<laughs> Look me on LinkedIn. You can put Chris J. Reed in, Mohawk in. A lot of people find me by putting Mohawk in. They forget my name. Who's that bloke with the Mohawk? I just put Mohawk into LinkedIn and it comes up. And people have found me like that. It's fantastic because it demonstrates personal branding. What's your USP? Well, it's got a Mohawk. And I find him on LinkedIn because it's got a Mohawk. Um, and so that's, you know, that's absolutely key. So find me on LinkedIn. I like to say I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I've got a YouTube channel merely to host my videos to put on LinkedIn. Um, so basically, it's all about uh, going on LinkedIn, uh, find me, and then you can write to me. And it's free because I'm open profile my email address my text is on there as well but use linkedin to communicate with me because i use linkedin effectively as my email inbox as well so find me on linkedin awesome it was absolutely fantastic talking to you thank you very much the only thing which i i found a little bit um, disturbing today was that i did not see your mohawk man like i really wanted to see the the only ceo with the mohawk <laughs> anyway thank you very much chris once again Fantastic talking to you. It was it was awesome, and uh, I hope we we're gonna we're gonna carry on and, and do the part two sometimes in the, just near future. That would be fantastic. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you, and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.